welcome to the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Let's join our geeky hosts on this week's and episode. And welcome to another episode of Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. The only podcast where we geeks drink and discuss our geeky topics of the week. I'm Matt. I'm Adam. Alright, and welcome back to another episode. Um, before we get started, folks, you know the deal. We're going to talk about... Where to find us? You're going to find us on TikTok, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Discord, Black Meat. Black people meet. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Black people meet. All right. Um, you're going to find us on honky.com. Honky. <laughs> <laughs> <All good. laughs> um, and you're also going to find us on. I don't know. I, I was trying to think no. of something good, but I couldn't. Yeah, we. I think we've covered all of it. <laughs> it's either Tinder, Grinder, Bumble. Gr- yeah, you know. Uh, Daily Mail. <laughs> Daily Mail. <laughs> uh, if if you're looking for us on on Fox News, you won't find us. Um, yeah, probably not. Maybe probably not CNN either. Um, who knows? But <laughs> <laughs> with that being said, guys. Um, you know, drop us a line. Tell us what you think about our episodes. Tell us what you want us to talk about. Uh, leave us a review, comment, uh, whatever you feel like you need to do. Just just let us know how we're doing and what we can do to improve or what we're already doing well. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, now that we've gotten all that gibberish out of the way, it's time to talk about our drink of the week. Grab your beverage and join along as the geeks discuss the drink of the week. And this week is kind of a departure from our usual fare. You know, we've had a lot of ciders and beers and whiskeys yes. and rums. and We're, we're switching up this week. The, the ladies made us something special, Mr. Yeah. Adam. Some sort of... Uh, it made us a sangria. Sangria! Sangria. All right. Well, this is a white Zinfandel from Fieldhouse with a... Fieldhouse. <laughs> we love the Fieldhouse. <laughs> from wherever... I, I, don't, I don't even know where, where it's from because we forgot the bottle downstairs. But... <laughs> <laughs> I, I do know, according to my wife... Um, it is filtered through clay and other organics. It's art- so, it's all so organic. It's filtered wine. through something that contains carbon. <laughs> yes, um, and the mix is called Lush. Ooh, yeah. So spicy. The girls are downstairs, and they're making this drink Lush. Yes, Lush. All right. Well, cheers to that. There you go, brother. It's tasty. Yeah, almost like a lemonade. Yeah. I can do that. Nice uh, summery sangria. Yeah. Don't mind me in popping the Coke. Oh. <laughs> He's doing the cocaine. The Coca-Cola cane zero. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, now that we've had a, a lubricating sip of our beverage... And we've talked about where to find us. It's time that week to talk about our topic of the week. What are the geeks going to talk about this week? All right, so this is going to be a little different. Uh, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it is gone, past. 
I will turn the inner eye to see its path where the fear has gone there will be nothing only I will remain so we're talking about Dune <laughs> sorry I was adjusting your gain because you were kind of quiet there <laughs> so I had to I had to fix that gain a little bit because uh, you were we, we, we need to redo it whatever <laughs> but yeah we're do, folks we're talking about Dune 2021 yes um, not the weird 1980s version so we're we may reference. I think well, we have to because it's the um, proverbial worm in the room. Yeah, it is the worm, <laughs> the worm in the tequila bottle. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I mean, as a huge fan of the series, whether it be the 1980s version and then the 2021 version, and then. Also, the novel. We're gonna just kind of have to cross over at some point. You have to, because, I mean, the first one covered so much. It tried to do both parts of Dune intermixed together. So, for those who don't know, Dune is... It's a novel. Um, it's a two-part novel with a lot of appendices. It has a lot of... Oh, um, no. Like, it's... Yeah. It, there's... Frank Herbert wrote multiple ones, and... Uh, so the first Dune is like what a three hundred plus page novel. Oh yeah, and then David Lynch. Um, so fun fact: David Lynch was supposed to. Uh, he was actually approached to direct uh, Return of the Jedi. Yes, and. Um, he turned it down because he was like, oh, I want to do something that's more my thing. And uh, he did Dune, and he didn't have Final Cut. Or he didn't He didn't have a lot of control over the film. So it just became a big cluster mess of stuff. So... Um, yeah, and so Frank Herbert wrote um, the first seven, sorry, six Dune books. Yes. And then his son wrote the next 21. Yes. So, and the most recent one came out last year. Oh, Jesus The Heir of Caladan. Okay, so, Matt, just asking, putting it out there, like, what have you read Whatever you are, like, what are you a fan of? In terms of Dune or in terms of, like, books? Like, Dune, like, what have you read? What have you... So, I've not read any of the books. My wife's read the first book, and she struggled and got bored of the second. Okay. Um, and she read it before the movie came, the, the newest movie came out. Okay. Um, I've seen the 1984 film, and I also have seen the newest one. Um, well, this isn't... Is, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't a huge fan, obviously, of the 1984 version. It kind of just weird and kind of clunky. It, it um, was very truncated. Yeah. Well, they tried to combine both Dune and Dune Messiah with pieces. It's just everything yeah. was kind of smashed together. Um, I did like the newest movie. Um, I I was hesitant at first because I knew how much I disliked the first one. Um, but, you know, my wife really enjoyed it. And I was like, okay, well, we will go and and, and we'll see what it's about. And, and actually... Um, I was I was thoroughly surprised. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I never did see the two thousand one um, miniseries that came out on it. So the miniseries definitely like gave it more breath to like tell a story. But uh, I definitely think this this one was the better iteration of it. Yeah, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, I mean, they had a great, great cast. I mean, you've got... Ooh, fantastic cast. Yeah, you've got uh, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Dave Bautista, who we've talked about a lot recently. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, Stellan Skarsgård, Jason Momoa. It's it's a Rebecca huge cast. Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson. Um, Zendaya. Uh, Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. Who? This is really his first like thing I knew of him. I I think he was in some teen drama. I I can't remember, but it was definitely like. Let's see. He my, was in Interstellar. He was an interstellar. Yeah, he was the um, young version of. Uh, oh, what I'm trying to think of his name. He was the young version of uh, Casey Affleck. Character. Oh, shiny. Yeah. So I really, this is the only thing I've really seen him in. I haven't. Uh, I think he was in like the Perks of Being a Wallflower, right? Nope. Nope. His first film was Men, Women, and Children. Yeah, whatever. And then Interstellar. Okay, well, he's he's a delightful actor, and I think uh, perfect for the role of Paul Atreides, and not to jump over, but it's like, yeah, it, he is more the young personification of Paul Atreides, whereas in the... The David Lynch version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was much older. <laughs> yeah. Um, like it, Kyle MacLachlan was... <laughs> it It's a... Um, so when I saw it, I saw it in theater. We saw it in... Actually, we saw it in IMAX. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually didn't know we had 4D tickets for it. So they built in speakers to the seats. And so like... Oh, with that cool. soundtrack okay. of the movie, yeah. It, it it definitely like vibrated you the entire movie. I walked out of there feeling like I uh I don't know, like I was on a spin cycle in the dryer for a long time. Oh wow. But I mean it was it was a phenomenal film and I I I, I am looking forward to the sequel now. Yeah, so um the reason we're doing this episode is uh they just recently released the uh trailer for part two. Part two. Yeah. So um, Dian Bellinu. I, I yes. wish I'm pronouncing that correctly. Villeneuve. Yeah, yeah. But I think he um he had a huge like admiration of Frank Herbert's writing and. Yeah. Really wanted to make this what it was, and so it was uh, for me. It was like, hey, let's have a great person make a movie. Yeah, it was. I think from at least from like I said, I didn't read the book, um, but from my wife, you're missing out. <laughs> my wife said it was a very faithful adaptation. Yes. Um, Obviously, with any kind of book to film, there's going to be some things left out. There are going to be some things truncated. There are going to be some characters combined. But it's just see, the nature of film. That's the thing. It's like the the original <coughs> film kind of truncated everything. And then this one was like, okay, hey, we want to split it into two, two parts and at least have a good, like, adaptation of it. Yeah. Yeah, more faithful. Exactly. Um, and being My that... Boy. <laughs> yeah, well, and being that the first one was not as well received, you've got to kind of rewrite the book in, in a weird way to say yeah. it. You've got to not go back and do what the first one did because obviously the first one was not successful. And if you're going to have... People come see this, especially it coming out after COVID. Um, yeah. Granted, it's supposed to come out earlier, um, but after COVID and all these things, you had to, I think, take the story as what it is and say, okay, I can't make this a six-hour movie in one shot and think people are going to sit through this. I yeah. have to split it. I have to find a place where it naturally is a good place to end it where either I make the money and we can make part two 
or I don't make the money, but it can still be a self-contained story at that point. Well, and I think that's Dean Bellinu can like I think he has the clout in Hollywood to actually be like, hey, I want to do it this way. Yeah, and I mean, if you if you haven't seen any of his films. Go watch them, because he did Arrival, Sicario, Sicario, Blade Runner 2049. Like, he's he's a master of his craft. Arrival, yes. Sicario, yes. We can have words about Blade Runner later. Whatever. It was a gorgeous (laughs) film. It was beautiful. It just, like, I mean... Whether you like the subject matter, but the way it was shot is just gorgeous. <laughs> I, I will take your word for it because I fell asleep multiple times through that movie. Were... <laughs> Fuck you, Matt. <laughs> My wife will agree 100%. Okay, well, I will say, hey, geeks. Let, let me, before we jump back into Dune, what would Caitlin say about Blade Runner 2049? Caitlin doesn't like watching films. <laughs> she does. She likes watching good films. Blade Runner is an amazing. You know, you film. are outvoted currently in this house. Uh, well, we'll we'll get into that a little later. <laughs> anyway, back to Dune. Um, yeah, so let's let's step back a hair and talk about you know some of these casts and this character. Oh yeah, and. and do you think, reading the book, let me ask you, do you think the casting was spot on for these characters? Oh, absolutely. I I mean, I think having characters um, like Oscar Isaac and Jason Momoa, like, they're these big movie stars right now. But, yeah, their characters get... Spoiler alert. <laughs> they get killed off pretty quickly. Which um, I was so disappointed because Jason Momoa's character was so good. Oh no, he was fantastic. But I think that it came down to... It's part of the story. Yes. Like, Duncan Idaho. Best name in sci-fi ever, in my yeah. opinion. Although, uh, Gertie Halleck... Do you like Gurney Halleck? I still think Duncan Idaho is a better name. Duncan Idaho is pretty good. But uh, but yeah, he... like You have talented people playing these characters. And yeah, they may only play the characters for 30, 45 minutes of... A three-hour film. Yeah, but still... They're actually delightful. Only two and a half hours. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah no, it, him, I think, Oscar Isaac, is he's a great character actor. Yes. Um, Stellan Skarsgård as the Baron, I mean, oh, that was like chef's Harkonnen. kiss. Yeah. That was perfect. That was a chef's kiss cast. And, and, I, and we'll have to yeah. talk about like Austin Butler, Austin Butler playing... Um, uh, the new um, bad guy. In oh, the, in the sequel. Yeah, but anyway, we'll get into that. Yeah, um, but no, it's like I think uh, Dan Bellamy like put in there. He was just like, "Hey, I want you to play this character almost like a rhinoceros." <laughs> In human form, and he did a great job. And oh, the makeup it, and the CG for him, and oh, it was it yeah. was fantastic. And so i I think this has kind of been one of the best uh, iterations of it. Um, so um, I guess let's like maybe let's talk a little bit about the special effects. So yeah. Um, very well done, very well received. 
um, which was a nice change of pace from some of the films you saw as a result of COVID. Mm -hmm. You know, either they're working from home, they don't have all the resources they had in a studio setting. And I may be wrong, but that's just kind of my... How some of these films kind of looked. Um, It was so well done. And they did such a good job with not even so much the CG, but the physical sets. And then the CG blending in the sets. Exactly. It felt like a world. It felt like I was in it and I couldn't tell where maybe there was a green screen for a backdrop or something. Because it felt seamless. Yeah. And I know they felt or they filmed uh, some stuff. In Norway, they filmed some stuff in Jordan. They filmed some stuff in the United Arab Emirates. But um, yeah, they just filmed everything in, uh, felt Budapest. It looks like yeah, it was it was all over the world. And, yeah. Um, but uh, one of the things I found very interesting, and I was going to bring this up, the how they so. The fighting styles. So, bringing up, like, yeah, they had these shields. Where yeah. it's like the slow blade penetrates the shield. Um, so, for the Atreides house, they based a lot of stuff on uh, a Filipino martial art. And then for the Harkonnen... It was more kind of like brutal Norwegian stuff. And then for the Sardaukar, they were more the Norwegian than they did a lot of more uh, samurai Mm -hmm. fighting styles. So um, I, I just found that very interesting how the Atreides house were like, oh, hey, yeah, the slow blade penetrates the shield and that was yeah it was saying well not even so much the slow blade just slow in general that i found that very technically interesting and something that i think would be kind of cool across sci-fi if you think about an energy shield supposed to stop high yield fast kinetic weapons not so much the physical slow yeah that you see and watching not only uh, Josh Brolin and uh, Jason Momoa kind of teach Paul Atreides these fighting styles and teach him kind of the art of fighting for House Atreides. So well done and such a refreshing way to see it Yeah, in a film because usually it's montage and training and... Well, you and, see it like in like in Star Wars. You see it just you know repetition, fast, furious, quick strikes, and this was very. And you we have to think. You have to be can, slow, methodical. We can talk about the nineteen eighty seven one where <laughs> apparently their whole fighting style was shouting <laughs> using a voice modulator, um, but I just love the fact that it everything kind of connects. And feels realistic was my big thing. It's like we were able to say, hey, yeah, this is a Filipino martial art that is in practice right now. (laughs) And it's being done. But then you can also have like these... The Sardaukar being like, yeah, we're kind of these samurai, like, bloodborne. Yeah, very just. And then. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it just kind of got to a point where I'm like, wow, this is. I love the fact that this all feels realistic, grounded. And, yeah. May thy knife chip. <laughs> And shatter. So, tell me, Adam, where you think you could have seen maybe some changes that maybe would have made it more accessible to a wider audience. Ooh. Because, I mean, it's not a, it was a critical success. I mean, 
It yeah, made I'm, I'm, 400 million on a 165 million dollar budget. I'm the wrong person to ask this because I've read the books and I sit there and I'm like, "Oh, this is from the book. This is I love this part." But <laughs> I, I think you're the right person to ask this because you understand the book. You were looking forward to this film. I'm coming at it from I haven't read the book. I have a little bit of a previous tainted knowledge from the 1984 film but what do you think would have drawn more people like me into it? I think the mysticism of the story is a little hard Um, I I, I agree with that because it's kind of like well you you learn that Paul and his mom and are kind of have this mystic um the Benny Jesuit kind of connections and I think that might be a little difficult for most people to jump into but if you if you've read the book you're kind of like whoa this is this is all there <laughs> but but I I think that's where I would say is like the mysticism Okay, um, but at the same time, like for someone who's read the books, who's seen previous films, who's kind of into it, it's kind of it's it's the force. It's mm-hmm. okay. That's what it is, and I just don't think they explain that very well. I mean, the whole what's in the box, like. Putting like putting the hand in the box and gum jabbar. So let me ask you this question, and I know this is going to kind of open a rabbit hole. Yeah, go nuts. <laughs> How do you feel about the casting done in such a way that the House of Trades and the Harkonnens are these white people? But you have the indigenous, the freemen, kind of being mixed more, race, more exotic. I wouldn't, say, yeah, mixed. I mean, yeah, for back of a better term. I mean, obviously Javier Bardem, Zendaya. I do you think that's a good choice? Do you think Hollywood you was know, forced to go that route? Like, I, I, I have no problem with it. Like, if if that makes sense, I'm, I'm, for me, I'm kind of like, just get the best people for the job. Okay. Um, but I would have loved to see maybe House Atreides be more mixed. But the Harkonnens... I mean, they, I understand They've the really, like, pushed that where they're bald. Yeah, and for the Harkonnens, I think, it kind of, without saying it, it's kind of like one of those families you could see them being like, we're pure. We are untainted yeah. by outsider blood, um, and I. You know, so I have no problem with it either because, for the story it's portraying, you know, yeah. yes, it's a it's a classic trope in film and, and and I guess in books too, where you have this superior and I see superior loosely people being the white people coming into yeah. to rule the people who are lesser to them yeah. and they happen to be people of mixed ancestry or of a I darker like, I, skin tone. Yeah, I loved how there were with the Fremen, they were all different. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I Javier Bardem obviously of very Spanish descent. Yeah, and then you Zendaya have is a very mixed race yeah, descent. But you have people of different races Mm -hmm. and it's just more like hey like we were all here on this planet and I think the whole thing with the Fremen um, came down to more just like who accepted that lifestyle Okay, Um, more so like where it's like okay someone could come to the planet Regardless, and then just be like, I want to be Fremen. And if they pass those challenges, they could become Fremen. Okay. And it didn't matter. So, 
let's let's talk about the sandworm in in the room and talk about a little bit about the trailer and what we're looking forward to and Ooh. doing too. So I'm obviously going into this blind because I haven't read the book. Okay. Um. So I'm 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 not, but I know where it goes. Yeah. I I mean I will say one of the things I'm looking forward to is building more on the Fremen and more of Paul Atreides and Chani's connection because obviously she was yes. in all those visions in part one. Yes. So um, I am looking forward to him in the sandworm writing <laughs> that we saw the trailer. That is definitely gonna happen. Um so pretty much it's like one of the things I will say, like things kind of mirror um, events that happened before. Like so, Lado Atreides, technically, Lady Atreides was technically is like concubine. Yeah, his consort. Yeah, yeah. So she wasn't officially his wife. No, but he has said multiple times, like, oh yeah. I wanted you to be my wife. Um, and she broke her vow to the Benny Jesuit to be like, oh yeah, she was only supposed to bear daughters because I guess she was supposed to marry off one of the daughters to the Harkonnens, but we're going to get into that later. Um, but... Um, Leto really wanted a son, so that's where Paul comes in. Um, apparently, so, like, Paul plans to marry the Empress, mm-hmm. or the Emperor's daughter. Yeah, who we will see in part two. Yes, played by, by Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh, and I think Christopher Watkins playing the Emperor. If I recall. Well, we'll find out here in a second. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. Well, but it's like, it's kind of this whole thing of like, if we go back to Star Wars, it's like things of destiny. Things, you are right, Christopher Walken is. There we go. In part two. <laughs> Woohoo! But like, things kind of matching, like, mashing up. So it's this whole thing of Paul is on this path and everything that has happened is pushing him towards this goal. So, um, it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, apparently like he loves Johnny. Um, and, but she's kind of becomes like his kind of concubine because mm-hmm. she's not of royal blood um, and he's not of royal blood but it's just kind of things kind of yeah. repeat <laughs> so now that we've kind of talked a little bit about part two and um, what we're looking forward to in that piece let's talk a little bit about the the musical score of this because it's oh. Hans Zimmer. Oh, so apparently Hans Zimmer, yeah, he turned down doing uh, No Time to Die, the James Bond film, mm-hmm. to do this because he was. Just oh like, nope, it wasn't that. It was Tenant. Oh, Tenant. So, but uh, oh, I forgot. Apparently, uh, Dan Villeneuve turned down. Um, no time to die to do. That's, oh, that's uh, sorry. <laughs> You're good. I got, I got them all mixed up, but um, but yeah, Hans Zimmer did a great job scoring this, and apparently he like did a thing where he spent like a little while in like the Utah desert mm-hmm. trying to get just. The idea of desert sounds and his daughter says she suffered PTSD because House Atreides is used bagpipes as <laughs> their thing. Yeah. Um But yeah, so they uh so yeah, no. Excellent score. Um I know in the 
initial trailer they used uh, Pink Floyd's um, Eclipse as like kind of their thing, which Jodorowsky, who was originally supposed to direct um, Dune, he had his own Dune kind of all planned out. Um, he wanted Pink Floyd to score it, so that was kind of like a little like homage. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was delightful. And but I mean, Hans Zimmer, you can't go wrong. <laughs> no, no, Hans it's Zimmer. like picking John Williams or Jerry Goldsmith. You, you or, can't go wrong. <laughs> no, no, now Hans Zimmer. I mean. For those of you who don't know, he is just... When you have Hans Zimmer filming a movie, it doesn't matter what yeah. movie it is. It's going to be ten times better because of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, Hans Zimmer's Christopher Nolan's kind of go-to guy. Yeah. Which was kind of yeah funny that he turned down Tenet to, to do this one, but... Honestly, I would have done the same thing. Well, we'll just go over some of the big ones he's done. Um, so he's worked on. Let me find one people really know. Rain Man, Dark, Rain Man, Days of Thunder. You're looking at Thelma and Louise, mm-hmm. A League of Their Own, Cool Runnings. Okay, Cool yep. Runnings. <laughs> Holy shit, he did Cool Runnings? He did. He also did Lion King. Holy crap. Well, I knew... I, yeah. yeah. But he's done, like, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Muppet Treasure Island. Oh! The Rock. <laughs> Gentlemen, welcome to The Rock. Mission Impossible 2, Gladiator, Black Hawk Down, Pearl Harbor. Yeah, he's... He's a master. <laughs> the Last Samurai. Matchstick oh. Men. Matchstick Men's a good movie. Matchstick Men is a good movie. And I know you love it because Ridley Scott directed it. Yeah. Shark Tale. <laughs> uh, Madagascar. Batman Begins. Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean. Da Vinci's Code. Simpsons movie. Yeah. Angels and Demons. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, he's done everything. He's... Mega Man. Mega Man? Mega Mind. Sorry. Mega Mind. Mega Mind. Man of like, Steel. I don't think they made that movie yet. <laughs> yeah, Man of, Man of Steel. Yep. Actually, I will say uh, Man of Steel. The the first flight song. Mm-hmm. It's uh, one I will continually listen to. Because it's... Uh, it just is great. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. And he's doing, currently, besides Doom Part 2, the Lion King sequel. There's a Lion King sequel? They're making Mufasa. Uh, I don't know about that one. It's going to be a prequel with James Earl Jones. Well, of course, but... <laughs> not. I just... For me, I'm like... <laughs> I liked the original Lion King like, oh, I agree. animated one. I had this discussion today with some friends. Um, Do you have Florida. friends? Well, you're here, <laughs> bitch. Aww. <laughs> we, so, um, my daughter's godparents live in Florida. Um, and so we were just doing a video chat and they were talking to Charlotte. And we were talking about John Favreau can do no wrong unless it's a movie about animals and CG. Oh, yeah. Cause so, he kinda... Jungle Book and Lion King. Yeah, yeah, I get you. <laughs> so, Adam, give me a hot take on this movie. they going to say this week oh 
So, um, I don't know if it's so much a hot take, but it's like cinematography. Okay, is just absolutely gorgeous. Like, I don't think I have seen a more beautiful film. And especially, like, when it switches from Caladan, where Paul is from, where they're filming in Norway, to (laughs) Arrakis, where they're filming in Jordan, like, the color temperature just blew me away. So, I guess that's, that's it. I would say, for me, my hot take in this movie... And I've said this about a couple other movies we've talked about. Is pacing. I mean, I, from an artistic point of view, I understand the pacing of the movie. I think for the general audience who are coming to just be entertained, it could have been a long in the tooth. I'm not saying there's a lot to cut down to make it better pacing and fill some of those... I wouldn't call it dead spaces, but just kind of moments where you just sit there and take it in. Mm -hmm. I mean, for you and me, we kind of understand that part. We understand the pacing. But like I talked about earlier, making this film more accessible to a wider audience um, as part of their marketing campaign and trying to, to get people to see it because they already had that bad taste in their mouth from June 1984. I think... Just working a little bit of the pacing, I think, would have made it a little bit more accessible to just the general audience. Understood. Like, I mean, I I guess this is a question I could ask you is, are you a big fan of, like, the extended editions of movies? Only if it is actually adding something substantial to the movie. Oh, excuse me. Case in point, uh, Batman v Superman, the extended edition. Oh, we already did a whole thing on that. <laughs> well, no, we did Justice League. Well, but the the director's cut, the expanded edition, added so much more plot, mm-hmm. and it made that film, in my opinion, better because it wasn't. It didn't feel like you were missing some key elements into motivations of the characters. Understood. Some movies that have extended editions that could be a little long in tooth. And maybe not necessarily needed. Lord of the Rings. Oh, you! You no, no, no. suck a dick. I was <laughs> you say, bastard. I, was, I mean, they are good, but when I watched Return of the King for the first time, obviously in theaters without the extended yeah. edition, I, to me it felt complete. To me, it felt like I got everything I needed in the story. Yeah. I've got the conclusion of the characters. I didn't need anything else. When it came out, the extended edition, cool. It added some cool stuff. It added some interesting plot elements and kind of furthered the story of certain elements. But I didn't need that for the film to feel complete for me and for me to understand the film. Yeah, and but so I think that's that's I a challenge still... of a director and an editing team, though. You need to make the film concise, complete, and understandable to your audience on your first try. Mm. You know. Director's takes are great. They're good for film film fans like you and me where it's like, I want all the extras. I want the bonus. Yeah. But if I'm going to go see it, and it's maybe the only time I'll see this movie in theaters, not Dune, but just in general, mm-hmm. I need to understand it in that first go. Okay. What um, about you? Well, no. I, I don't mind how long a film is as long as it's beautiful and tells what it wants to tell um so that that i guess that's all i can say is i um i love the extended editions of lord of the rings i think the extended editions of the hobbit are actually better than the well, yeah, in that case, theatrical it's, release, it's giving but, you more information, yeah, instead of them trying to cram a bunch of stuff in the three yeah. movies. But, but I, I'm completely okay, like in in the sense of Dune, like 
I'd rather them take their time. Okay. And tell the story. Because that's important to me. So. Okay. Um, yeah. That, I, that's that's all I'm... <laughs> no, and I get what you're saying. I'm just trying to... I, I come at it from more of a entertainment point of view, like the general audience. Yeah. Because... At the end of the day, these films to be keeping made, they have to kind of appeal to mm-hmm. a wider audience. Yeah. I mean, me and you could sit here and write a beautiful film that could be six hours long. We think every oh, true. every scene, every moment has to be in there. But I think that's also part of the challenge of being a filmmaker is like, you have to... Condensing stuff. Yeah, you have yeah. to be able to whittle it down. Because there are some movies and some, fil- some books where I'm like, how would I make this into a movie? Because... Oh yeah. To me, reading this book, it has to be every moment and element, and how would I cut this down? Yeah. All right. Well, um, Matt, I guess we're getting down to the point where we're doing our geek wreck of the week. Yeah. I so, would... Matt, I'll let you take it away. It's time for the geek wreck of the week. What are the geeks going to recommend? All right. Well, folks, geek wreck of the week this week. Um, for me, it's going to have to be, I had thought about it 10 seconds ago, and all of a sudden I just went, Oof. Do you want yeah. me to... Go for it while okay. I re- readjust. So, I have, I have a twofer, and it's going to kind of be a, a, a different thing, so my geek not wreck of the week, and you probably saw this on our Facebook um, I do not recommend the game Redfall. Um, it's a game that's being heavily like publicized right now. It's just, you know, it just is very shallow. Like, it's not bad, but how do you charge $70 for a game that's like this shallow? So... But uh, the thing I will recommend um, on Amazon Prime is a movie called The Endless. Uh, very Lovecraftian, if you will. Um, definitely check it out. Kind of interesting Lovecraft horror, but not super scary. But I think if you like Lovecraft, you'll probably enjoy it. So. Okay. All right, Matt, you ready? I am. All right, folks. Well, let's try this again. My geek wreck of the week is actually a music wreck this week. Ooh. Um, we got to do more of those. Yeah. <laughs> well, at the time of this recording, recording, so just for everyone's fair knowledge, we're recording this pretty early in May. This comes out towards the end of the month, but we're trying to knock out some May ones because of Mother's Day and trips. Someone's and going to Dublin. Someone's going to be drinking the Guinness. <laughs> Dave. Fucking God, guy to Dublin. <laughs> um, That's the worst. It was bad. It was bad. We started with a monologue from Adam, and we ended with Adam trying to do an Irish accent. I could probably do an Irish accent. You could. Give me, give me a, we'd have to Well, take you, in you our inner going. theater kid. You get going, I'll so, probably figure it out. Um, for me, it is Jason Mraz's new album's coming out, and he's dropped the first three tracks after this recording. Um, and one thing I like about him as an artist is that he, every album, he kind of takes on a different style of music almost. Okay. Um, you know, he likes to do, um, he did a reggae album. He's done a love album. He's done a kind of a funk pop album. Um, so this one is kind of almost like a dance album. Dance. And it's called The Mystical, Magical, Rhythmical, Radical Ride. Okay. Um, and my daughter loves the single off this album already. There there you go. That That's all <laughs> you need to know, ladies and gentlemen. If, if my daughter, it's her favorite song to dance to, yeah. then I think you need to listen to it. There you all go. All right. Well, folks, that wraps up another episode of Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Yes. Thank you guys for joining in as we talk about Dune. Um, thankfully, Adam, we didn't make a two and a half hour podcast talking about Dune. I know, right? We could have. <laughs> we, I easily could have. Yes, yes. And I don't. 
One day we'll probably do a podcast that long. Who knows? Yeah, we'll do the second one when it comes out. Yes, in November. So we'll probably talk about it in December. Yes. Um, But before you go, folks, make sure you like, subscribe, comment, rate, give us an idea of what you, what, what you want us to talk about. Yeah. And you can find us at Geek Drink Pod on all social media platforms while they still exist. Um. <laughs> The whole universe is going to blow up. <laughs> well, not so much that. It's it's still the Twitter thing. There's, you know, the guy who created Twitter made is now a new one that tons of people are flocking to, but it's like a... You have to be invited to get in, to, on the list. Uh, you know what? We'll just... We'll just ride the wave. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with that being said, folks, we want to thank you guys for listening. And you guys have a great geek week. Yeah, take it easy. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Tune in next week to see what our geeky host will discuss next week. Goodbye. <laughs>